Good morning. I want to welcome you to Memorial United Methodist. My name is Joe Cade. I'm the minister here. We're so grateful that you're here for our combined service. It's fun to see people um, from both worship services uh, in the space today. Y'all can see me wearing a robe. How do I look? Fancy? Look fancy this morning? Look academic? Um, good news for the week. Our own Don and Lauren are putting plans together for concerts hosted by Memorial, three of them over a period of about four months. First of which will be on a Saturday evening, November 21st at 7.30 p.m. And it'll be a solo piano concert. Um, Don can play the piano. Have y'all heard him? He's pretty good. <laughs> Praise Band will be on Saturday, January 23rd. We'll publicize these obviously way out. Um, it's January 23rd at 7.30. And Lauren and the Handbells, Lauren can sing, have y'all heard him? He's pretty good. We'll be on February 21st, which is actually a Sunday afternoon at 3 p.m. So that's your good news for the week. Some great music is coming in the form of uh, concerts. Y'all make sure you scoot in, make sure we give people a chance uh, to get in the building and have a seat. Worship plans. Uh, book orders are will go out tomorrow morning. If you want to, uh, if you want us to order you a book, put book out from your name on the register if you have not already done so. If you've done it, don't worry about it. If you want us to order you, be on a permanent list where we order it for you every time we get a book. Put permanent book um, out from your name. I'm going to call Katie Jeter. Uh, where's Katie? There's Katie. Um, put permanent book out from your name. The book that we will start next Sunday is by a bishop from the Midwest, Robert Schnazy, and it's five practices of fruitful congregations. Five practices of fruitful congregations. We'll be reading that for two months, actually, September and October. Um, social events. The first Wednesday dinner is this week. It's my understanding that the previous practice was to uh, not sign up and have us just guess who was coming to dinner. I'm not doing that anymore. That's over. If you want to come to dinner, put dinner out from your name on the attendance register. It's real simple. Dinner. If we see, actually put dinner in a number. We'll see how many people are coming to dinner because y'all will have signed up. Katie's going to tell you another social thing. Good morning. I'm Katie Jeter, and I'm the Director of Children and Family Ministries here at Memorial. And I want to let you know that we are excited that the pumpkins are coming back this year. Last year we had our first ever pumpkin patch out on the lawn and it was a fundraiser for the Children and Family Ministries. And due to the success of that, we are going to give it a shot again this year. So also on your pew registration, if you would like to show us your interest in supporting us in that, you may add pumpkin to the line so that we can gauge what we order this year. Thank you. Thank you, Katie. So if, uh, if my family were filling it out, I would put Joe and Katie, Kate, permanent book, dinner for four, pumpkin. Okay? <laughs> Think about that. Think about you're signing up for three things all at once. You don't even have to go anywhere. Just from your seat, you are signing up for those three things. Faith development. Uh, Sunday night programming continues tonight and will happen next week on Labor Day at, at, uh, at 5. Um, we feed your kids at 5 p.m., your elementary and middle school kids. They start programming at, um, uh, Cindy starts handbells with the little guys in the 5.30 slot. And the kids and youth start at 6, they're done at 7. Adults start today. Bob and Bobby McQuaid uh, will be leading us in the social hall at 6. You've got to feed yourself if you're an adult before you come. That will be at 6 o'clock. I think that's plenty. Pumpkin. Book. Dinner. Dinner. Pumpkin book dinner. Let's turn our hearts towards the Lord. 
Let us pray. <laughs> Heavenly Father, we are entirely grateful to have the spaces, the talent, the leadership, the ability to have two worship services of two different styles to offer this community. But today we are grateful to gather together under one roof. We are always one family. But to be together this morning is a special opportunity and we ask that you bless our prayers, bless our hymns, bless our scripture, bless our proclamation so that your word may be declared to us this day. In your son's name we pray. Amen. Please stand for our first hymn, Seek Ye First, number 405. Let us now affirm our faith with the Apostles' Creed, found on page 881. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. I'd like to call the children forward for the children's sermon with Miss Katie.
Good morning. We got a few more coming. How is everybody this morning? Are you good? I want to talk to you about something that we've been talking about, or started last week, talking about in our Bible study on Sunday nights. Does anybody remember what we talked about? Jackson? We did. And what did it, what was it about? Jackson said we did an experiment that showed us how God feels when we pray. So what did, what happened in the experiment? How does God feel? That's right. It was called the fizz experiment. And so when our cup fizzed over, we learned that when we pray, God is excited that we're talking to him. So I wanted us to keep talking about prayer this morning. And we're going to talk about something called the five W's of prayer. So a lot of people start their day by reading the newspaper to hear the latest news or watching it on TV. And did you know that reporters, when they're preparing those news stories that we read, do something with five W's? Have you ever heard that before? These are the questions that they ask to make sure that the facts of their story are complete and ready to report. They ask who, what, when, where, and why. So when we read a story, it's good for us to ask those same questions back to make sure we understand the story. So today I'm going to read a few verses from the Bible to you. And these verses are written by James, the brother of Jesus. And in these verses, James is teaching about prayer. So when we finish, we're going to see if we can answer the who, what, when, where, and why. Do you think we can do it? Okay, it's James chapter 5, verses 13 through 16. The prayer of faith. Is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. So therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So who should pray? Anybody, right? Us and anybody. The verse tells us that anyone who needs God's help or anyone who has received God's blessing should pray. So that's all of us. Okay, what should we pray about? Right, about anything. Can we talk to God about anything? We should pray for healing when we're sick. We should pray for forgiveness when we've sinned. We should offer prayers of thanks when we're happy and ask for help in times of trouble. Okay, next, when should we pray? Always, anytime. If we should pray when we're in trouble, when we're sick, when we're happy, and when we've sinned, then that's just about anytime, right? Okay, where should we pray? Anywhere. Good. These verses don't actually come right out and say that. 
but we can figure it out. If we should pray any time we need God's help, then I guess it makes sense that we should pray anywhere we need it, because wherever we are, God is there. And lastly, why should we pray? That's right, and because we're, we're talking to God, that's right what Alexander said, and because God hears us. When we talk to him, no matter what we have to say, he's going to listen, right? So the verses tell us that prayer is powerful and effective, and that if we pray, God will hear our prayers, he'll heal the sick, and he'll forgive our sins. So the five W's of prayer are who, anyone, what, anything, when, anytime, where, anywhere, and why, because God answers prayer. Will you pray with me this morning? Dear Father, thank you for hearing and answering our prayers. Help us to remember that you want to heal us when we're sick. Help us when we're in trouble. Forgive us when we sin. And rejoice with us when we're happy. Amen. Thanks, God. reading this morning is from Romans chapter 8 verses 37 through 39. In these passages Paul is exclaiming to the church at Rome that it is impossible to be separated from Christ. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God.
Let's pray. Gracious God, throughout this month, we have asked very important questions for this life. Questions about prayer, questions about your will, questions about tragedy and triumph. And we are grateful for the conversation. We're grateful for your patience as we figure it out. And we ask as we try to determine what we are to say, to others, what we are to do for others in good times and in difficult times, we ask for your guidance. We ask for your patience. We ask for your strength and your wisdom. Bless our efforts, Lord, in being instruments of your grace and mercy to the community around us. Inspire us, Lord, as we pray the prayer your Son taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. At this time, I'll ask you to pass the attendance sheets and sign up as you will.
and we will also collect our offering of uh, tithes and other offerings.
Please be seated. I'll tell you this. I'm grateful for you 9 o'clock people walking down the sidewalk. I'm grateful for you 11 o'clock people sitting a good 10, 20 feet from where you would normally sit. <laughs> grateful for that. And I'm grateful to hear y'all's voices. Isn't it fun to hear their voices up here? It's, it's, uh, it's powerful. So today is the culmination of reading the book, uh, Why? by Adam Hamilton. And if you look at the sermon title, it's from uh, one of my favorite shows. It's on Netflix now. You can watch the entire thing on Netflix uh, called Friday Night Lights. I'm not sure if y'all like high school football around here. Yeah? Okay, right. Y'all probably watched it. It's got some good stuff. It's got some hard stuff. Uh, but in the midst of it is a stabilizing force, which is the coach of that team. And, um, you know, there's obvious parallels between football coach and minister. At least I like to draw a lot of parallels between football coach and minister. And um, that phrase was used quite often before they went out on the field, regardless of what was going to happen. He said, let's have clear eyes and let's have full hearts. And we can't lose out there. So the scripture today is um, from Acts chapter 4, and that's found on page 1696 in your pew Bible if you want to use that. The priests and captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came up to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was the evening, they put them in jail until the next day. The word of God for the people of God. Right. Thanks be to God. So Acts uh, is considered by many as a sequel to the Gospel of Luke, likely written by the same individual or group of people compiling that gospel. It, um, it's fulfilled in the next book in Acts. So when you think of um, the top number one, number top five um, sequels, there aren't many good ones. Um, but Star Wars is a pretty good one. People say The Godfather is the second one's a pretty good one. Um, Acts is a pretty good sequel to uh, the gospels. And in Acts you see both really uh, great highs of the apostles living out what they were supposed to live out and uh, buried low lows of the repercussions of their fearless behavior in the face of the authorities. So if you first go to the Gospels, um, Peter's action, Peter's a, a focus of this story, Peter's faith dilemmas and his rash actions are well documented in the Gospels. He told Jesus that he should not be washing, Jesus should not be washing his feet. He told Jesus to stop scaring everyone when Jesus told them they were going to have to go to Jerusalem. He denied Jesus three times when he spoke boldly and said, I'll never do that. I don't care what the circumstances are. And then he had some good things too. And, and someone who steps out all the time is going to fail a bunch. But he had some really tough times in the Gospels. And he had some very uh, disheartening moments in which I'm sure he wondered if he should keep doing this. But Acts is the sequel to the Gospels, primarily to Luke. And Jesus has now been resurrected, has visited and instructed the disciples along the water, uh, fished for them, caught the fish, cooked the fish, uh, um, inspired them again. But now he's gone on. He's ascended. And so what's left is his disciples. One new one, totally now 12. So the question now is, with those same Sadducees, those same people who were hostile 
to Jesus the first time around, now in his face, you got to ask, what's he going to do this time? How will he respond this time to failure? You see any number of movies that will develop a character, and in the first 12 or so minutes, they will fail mightily. Even at, either at a relationship or um, work or uh, something to do with their home. Many times, all three, it falls apart in the first 12, 15 minutes, creating conflict that will be resolved over the remainder of the movie. The question is, what will Peter do? So I thought, what, what's the best movie illustration I can think of um, to capture this? And um, there's a movie called Pushing Ten. It's got, um, who's, who's a great star from the um, 80s who held up the radio? John Cusack. Stars John Cusack, and he is an air traffic controller in, uh, in uh, what's got to be the number one difficult place there can be, and that is uh, there at LaGuardia and, and JFK and, and um, one other one. And he's uh, an amazing, dynamic air traffic controller and handle all sorts of stuff. But they have a guy who has struggled every time. And every time he says he's going to come back, they all take bets as to where he'll make it before he bails out and quits. Some people take parking lot. Some people take sidewalk. Some people take when he get, touches the door. Some people take when he gets in the building. Some people take when he puts the thing and gets in front of the radar. But in the movie, he gets to the handle and he just can't do it. And he bails out. And so that's what's so fascinating is not the fact that when we fail, but if we do, what are we going to do the next time in that exact same moment when the circumstances arise again? So that's, that conflict, that scripture continues in verse 4. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. So how many people did they feed along the shores of Galilee? 5,000 what? Men. So there were more than 5,000. So that's got to apply again. If these people believed, these 5,000 men believed, how many more do you think believed? The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Now the issue at hand was the fact that they had healed a man. And they had healed him on the Sabbath. When you heal, when you do anything on the Sabbath, there's um, yet to be a certain um, age in our country to remember the varying stages of being able to do anything on a Sunday. Okay? And I'm sure that varies by the location that you were in South Carolina or wherever in the South. Um, by what authority did you heal this man is what they're asking. And so in that moment, Peter has the opportunity to run, to be obstinate, to proclaim something powerful. And so here's your first quote of the day from the book. Fear is a fundamental part of the human condition. We face dangers. Our bodies are not invincible. We will be hurt. We will become sick, grow old, and die. The knowledge of these things produces angst, a deep apprehension, anxiety, or feeling of dread. Fear defines our lives in so many ways. Fear of failure, fear of rejection, fear of the future, fear of getting sick, fear for our children, fear of leading meaningless lives, 
fear of being alone, and fear of dying. So here's the risk in reading that, that y'all are going to think about all that stuff and I've lost you. Okay? But I want you to ponder that those could be the case and then stay with me. With, the with fear bubbling up inside of him, surely, this is what Peter said. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who was lame and are, about, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. So in the face of what I figure is, uh, uh, is increasingly high seats to the high person, questioning his actions, his beliefs, everything he's doing entirely, this is what Peter says. He declares boldly why he's doing what he's doing and why he will never stop what he's doing until the day that he dies. So faith in God is the Christian response to the problem of fear. That's what Adam says. Faith in God is the Christian response to the problem of fear. Having fear is entirely human. It's as natural as can be. But Adam says Christian faith in the face of that fear is our response. But here's the difficult part, in my opinion. Faith can be difficult. It can be entirely difficult for any number of reasons. If you see a broken person and you say to them, just have faith, what potential is there for really bad things when you say that? I think there's tremendous potential. They might ask themselves, wait, did my lack of faith cause this thing? Cause the loss of my job? Cause this illness? Cause the tornado hit at my house and not their house? Was it my lack of faith that caused this? They might ask, why have faith in God who allows this to happen? If God allows these things to happen to me, what am I bothering with faith for? What's the point? They might ask if they are worthy of calling upon God in this hour, that they come up short of the glory of God, and so they don't deserve to get to call on God. See, that's just three. Can you imagine how many more there are if you say to someone, I'll just have faith? Peter could attest to this because Jesus asked him to come out and walk on water. And he took a couple steps, and then he got weirded out, and then he fell in and said, save me. Jesus asked Peter to feed those thousands on the, side, on the um, uh, shores of Galilee. And what did they say? Are you crazy? Let them go so that they can go feed themselves. Jesus asked after the resurrection and at another appearance along that same shore of Galilee. might have been a different place, but it was the same shore. He said, hey, do you love me? If you do, go out and do what? Feed my sheep. If you love me, go do it. So Peter could attest to the difficulties of life when he felt like his faith was coming up short. But listen to him in verse 12. Peter said, salvation is found in no one else. 
For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing else they could say. So they ordered them to withdraw from the Sanhedrin, and then they conferred together. Don't you know what to do? So in the same way that Peter was shaken and paralyzed in his action not knowing what to do, now with his faith to those people, now they are shaken and paralyzed in action not knowing what to do. So what if you saw a broken person and instead of saying to them, just have faith, what if you said to them, I have faith? That's not answers. I don't have answers in the back of the book as to what's going on in your life right now. But I do have faith that God is present with you and that I am going to be present with you. I don't have platitudes. These things that we just sort of say to each other to, my goodness, navigate those seven seconds until we can move on. I have faith that God is present amongst us and I'm going to be present with you in this time. The simple faith of our biblical leaders who endured everything a human can. See, it's, it's mistaken to wonder why something can happen to someone who is earnestly trying to live the will of God. Just read the Bible. Let's see what happened to these people. It's crazy. I actually heard we were practicing, uh, I was with a group of people practicing something they were going to say to um, individuals. And the person said, uh, if you're with God, there's no reason to be scared. Fear's gone. And I said, well, um, I think fear can be gone if you're just sitting on your couch not doing anything. It, I, I'm not scared at all sitting on my couch watching Netflix. There's no fear in my body whatsoever. But when I say that I'm going to be a follower of God and I'm told, okay, then go do this, fear just comes up through me. Fear is present. But in the midst of our fear, what if we said to one another, I have faith that God is amongst us and I will be present with you. Here's another quote from the book. As we have noted in previous chapters, when God wishes to do something, God most often does this through people. People. Not through magic. People. With each other, amongst each other. And since God does not force God's will upon us, this work is, th is accomplished through us by influence and not decree. So our chances to influence others in the midst of their trial is not to tell them, well, I figured you must have done something. But to say God is present and I am present with you. Verse 16 said, What are we going to do with these men, they asked. Everyone living in Jerusalem knows that they have performed a notable sign, and we cannot deny it. But to stop this thing from spreading any further among the people, we must warn them to speak no longer to anyone in this name. They're not saying, Oh, this is amazing. God's doing an amazing thing amongst us. What are they saying? We, we can't let anybody know about this. Don't tell anybody. 
Then they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Which is right in God's eyes, to listen to you or to listen to him? You be the judges. As for us, we cannot help speaking out loud about what we have seen and heard. It's pretty powerful. It's pretty much the opposite of many of the things that he tried to do. And that's why it's so amazing to get a second chance. And second chances, third chances, fourth chances with our relationships, with our co-workers, with our neighbors are everywhere. We've got an opportunity to speak to people. Final quote from this book. This is precisely what the biblical message offers us. It's not hope that we will not die of cancer or that we will get a better job soon. It's not hope that evil will not have its way with us for a time. It is hope that God is with us all the time. It's hope that God works through us to help others, through others, and to help us. God chooses people that have nothing to lose. Those human beings find themselves against what seem to be impossible odds. God unleashes the full measure of human potential in the face of that evil, in the face of that illness, in the face of that loss. Humans are unleashed to go and deliver the Word of God to others. So, as you go outside these doors, as you interact with uh, very contentious people, very sad people, very broken, hurt people, you have an opportunity to speak a very simple word to them. I have faith in God, and I'll be with you in this moment. Clear eyes, full hearts. Can't lose. And the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. I stand and sing our final hymn, number 306.
So when we ask ourselves, why do these forces of nature happen to us? Well, those forces of nature keep our earth going. And out of destruction comes new creation over and over again on our planet. When we ask how do our prayers go unanswered, we say, well, sometimes our prayers are a little self-centered. Lord, guide us in our prayers that we can seek not our will, but Your will. When we ask how can we reach out to others, we say, I have faith in God and I will be present amongst you. Amen. Yeah.